Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. Good morning, Soul City Church. How are we doing this morning? I think if you are wondering what God's will is for your life, what your next step is, it is to get Brandon to drink a pumpkin spice latte. First person to do it, I will pay for it. I will pay for that latte happily uh, to do that. My name is Jared. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City. I'm so, so, so glad that you're here filling out this uh, physical space. And for those of you who are worshiping with us online, I say this all the time, but hi, mom. My mom watches from California, so it's good to see you. You see me, but I'll see you later. Anyway, the point is, if you're with us online, we're so glad you carved out this time to connect with God, to grow in a relationship with God. As Brandon mentioned, we're closing out a teaching series called Teach Us to Pray. We, We have a vision for our church to be a house of prayer. We want everything we do to begin, to move forward, and to end in prayer. And the only way we're ever going to be a house of prayer is if you and I are actually People of prayer, that was the easy part, but people of prayer, people of prayer, you and I actually being people of prayer in our everyday lives, interacting with, intersecting with God in meaningful ways. And if that's ever going to be sustainable in our lives, at least I found for me, if anything's going to be sustainable, it has to be simple. And so we've been praying a simple prayer that our staff's been praying for months now. We've invited our whole church to pray. It's just three words. If you're new to prayer, you can do this. If you've been doing this a long time, this might revitalize your time of prayer with God. And those three words are thanks, sorry, and help. It's a simple way to pray. Thanks, sorry, and help. And I'm telling you, you just pray those three words, you will not run out of things to pray for. There's enough in that. And so we've been breaking those down over the last couple weeks. And and this week, I want to just close out this teaching series by looking at another just sort of two words that I've often found come at my greatest breakdowns and come before my greatest breakthroughs. Two words that for many of us bring us to God, lead us to God. And those two simple words are help me. Anyone ever prayed a help me prayer before? (laughs) Just like you don't even know, you can't even say the specifics. Just help me, God, help me help me. Maybe you're kind of a space in a season like that. It's one of the most powerful and simple prayers you can pray to God is, God, help me. And at times, those can be some of the most difficult words to say. And so all I want to do today is I want to encourage you to incorporate those words into your relationship with God. Because the crazy thing about us is that we have a hard time saying those words to each other. There's a nationwide poll last year that found that 75% of Americans find it difficult to ask for help until it's too late. Yeah. 75% of Americans just say, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather just do it on my own. And the study kind of broke down what are the reasons why you don't ask for help. And, and some of the answers were because I would look incompetent at work. Or because some people said, I'm just too stubborn. I'm too independent. I'd rather do it on my own. Some people said, I'm afraid if I ask for help, I won't get it. So I kind of reading through and preparing for our time, I realized that this is true, at least about me. We need help asking for help, don't we? We need some help when it comes to asking for help. That's why we're talking about this this weekend. We need help asking for help. Yeah, I've seen this in my own life, the times where I should have asked for help and I didn't. And I needed a whole lot more help later than if I just would have asked for it. Back in... Um, in May, our, our daughter was having her, her 15th birthday party, and so we were getting all ready because we are going to have like 50, 15-year-old girls at our house. That's a whole situation. And so we were preparing the house because it was going to be a big party that night. And so we were kind of going, me and Jeannie are going through our to-do list, and so I just would mow the lawn. The lines were pristine. Like, I felt so good. And so I was watering some stuff in the front, and I went to turn the sprinkler on for the front yard, and it kind of like 
it didn't do what it normally does. It just, the sprinkler just went like, like it was just kind of like it had given up the will to live. And I was like, well, that's, that's weird. I just used this yesterday. That's weird. So I ran to the back and turned that sprinkler on and it worked fine. So I was like, well, maybe there's a water pressure issue thing. So I ran back. I did this for about 10 minutes. At any point I could have stopped and said, hey, can someone help me here? I don't know what's going on. Can someone give me some help? Jeannie was right there in the house. I could ask her, why is this happening? Can you help me? I don't understand this. Well, after going back and forth, back and forth, turn it on, turn it off, turn it on, I turned it on and I heard us standing by the side of our house. I heard a noise inside the house. Sounded like a jet. I was going, I thought, well, that doesn't sound right. Could have asked for help at that moment too, but I thought, you know, I'll just go check it out. Saunter down into the basement and a little, like, crack the size of a dime had happened behind the wall of one of our pipes and had flooded our basement. Two inches of water in our basement. Thousands and thousands of Allstate's dollars later, <laughs> like, just destroyed our basement. And it all happened because I didn't say, hey, wait, hold up. Wait, I don't know what I'm doing. Something's wrong. I need some help here, right? And I, I think we've all kind of been in those situations where we wish we would have asked for, why didn't I ask for help? At any moment, I could have just said, oh, wait, hold up, stop, wait, I need some help here. Why don't we ever ask for it? You ever wonder why sometimes you don't just ask for help in the beginning, how that might save you from a whole lot more pain, in our case, a lot of money and a lot of time later? Why don't you ask for it more at work or, or at home? And what's interesting is I was preparing for our time, I found that we have a hard time asking each other for help, but we don't have as hard of a time asking God for help. In fact, praying for help is actually one of the most primal prayers you can pray. In fact, praying for help is how many of us have come to prayer. We just started because we knew that we couldn't do it on our own, and so we asked God for help. In fact, I have a habit of asking my friends who, who don't yet believe in God, I'll ask them anytime we're together, before we're done, I'll say, hey, how can I pray for you this week? Tell me specifically how I can pray for you this week. These are people who would not call themselves praying people, would not even call themselves believers in God, and I ask, how can I pray for you? Do you know not once has anyone ever said, no, nah, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm fine? Every single time. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, pray for my kids, absolutely, yeah, I'm about to like literally throw them out, the, like pray for these children, like, oh, I need you to pray our finances. People who would not pray themselves have no problem having me pray for God to help them. Just trying to cover all the bases because they figure it can't hurt to get help, right? So we have a hard time asking each other for help, but we don't seem to have any problem asking God for help. And so what I want to do over this, the next few moments is not help you see that you should ask God for help, but help you see what you believe when you ask God for help. I want you to pay attention to what is it that you really believe when you come to ask God for help, because we're asking God for help as a church. It's part of our simple prayer. What is it? Think of it this way. What do you really believe when you ask God for what you really need? Think about that for a second. Have you ever stopped? Because my hunch is all of us have asked God for help. Maybe it was for a parking spot this morning. That takes an act of God around this church. Maybe it was for something that's going on in your family. What is it when you said help to God, what is it that you really believed? When you ask God for what it is that you really need. Do, do, did you really believe that God can? Do you really believe that God will? Like, do you really believe that God will? Do you really believe that God hears when you ask for help? Or are you just kind of throwing it out there? Do you believe God cares? Do you really believe God cares? What do you really believe when you ask God for what you really need? I want to get to the thing behind the thing for the next couple moments, and I want to encourage you, encourage you, encourage you to believe something bigger than you're currently believing about God.
this morning. So to do that, I want to look at one of my favorite passages on prayer. It is such an encouraging passage on prayer, and it's found in the Old Testament. It's found in 1 Kings 18. So if you have a Bible with you, you can turn to 1 Kings 18. If you don't and you're in this room, you're in luck. We have a Soul City Bible for you. It looks just like this. Turn to page 283. That will fast track you to 1 Kings 18. If you're with us online, 1 Kings 18, open the tab, open your app, 283 in the Soul City Bible. This is a story about the prophet Elijah, one of God's prophets. This story that we're about to read is where we, Jeannie and I, actually got the name for our son, Elijah. It came from this story. So this, this story means a lot to me. So this is a story of, of one of God's prophets, Elijah. It's about 100 years after the reign of King David. So if you're kind of familiar with some Bible characters, you know about King David. It's about 100 years after him. And, and the nation of Israel had actually been divided through lots of wars and even some civil wars. It had been divided into two separate nations, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom kingdom. And the northern kingdom had a terrible tyrant of a king named King Ahab. Terrible, terrible guy. And as bad as King Ahab was, his wife, whoo, she was a real piece of work. I'm just going to tell you, like the Bible basically says, she's a real piece of work because she was obsessed. Her name is Jezebel. She was obsessed with worshiping this false god named Baal. She was obsessed with Baal, like so into it. Like, like, do you, I don't know if you have, does anyone have a friend, maybe you know, and it's probably going to be a guy who's really into cold plunges right now. Like, have you ever like come across someone on this and they're like super into it, like, bro, you don't even know, like a cold plunge totally, like after every workout, I just hop right in for like 30 seconds, total mental clarity for the rest of the day. Like people who are into cold plunges are really into cold plunges and they really want you to be into it as well. That's how she was about bail, except if you weren't into it, she would kill you. So that's a little bit much. So she would kill anyone who didn't believe in Baal, the prophets of God, the leaders of God, anyone who believed in the one true God, she would have them killed because she was that into worshiping Baal. That's the first bit of context. The second bit of context that's important to understand is that this entire region had been under a terrible drought for three years. And that's happening in our world right now today. And anytime there's a significant drought, it almost always inevitably leads to famine, which has a massive effect on societies, on people groups, on the ecology. It has this massive ripple effect. And so that entire land had been under a drought, a severe drought and famine for three years. Not one drop of rain had fallen. So that's the two pieces of context as we move into this passage on what we really believe when we ask God for what we need. 1 Kings 18.1 says this. It says, after a long time in the third year, that's the third year of the, the drought, the famine, the word of the Lord came to Elijah and God said to him, go and present yourself to Ahab, that terrible tyrant of a king. Present yourself to Ahab and I will send what? Everyone shout out, I will send rain. I will send, that's God saying, I will send rain to the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab and it says right there, now the famine was severe in Samaria. So God's just giving you all the context that I just tried to give you. God's giving you that context as well in this passage. And he says to Elijah, go and present yourself to King Ahab. I want you to believe something. I want you to believe something bigger than you're currently believing. God is essentially saying to Elijah, look, I know that all you've seen is drought and famine for the last three years. I know that Jezebel is out here trying to kill you, literally kill you. I know that's all you've seen. I'm asking you to believe something bigger, to believe something bigger about me because I'm a big God. And if I invented rain, surely I can make it rain in this land. If I came up with it, I can make it rain right here, right now. 
And I know, I know, I know, before we go any further, because I love the story, but before we go any further in the story, I know, I, I can't move past this without stopping and acknowledging that some of us right now in this season are in our own droughts, yeah. our own famine, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, mentally. Maybe you're in a difficult financial situation right now, and you just, you just haven't seen God provide like you desperately need God to, and you're looking at all your bills, and you're looking at your college debt, and you're saying to God, like, literally, God, like, make it rain. Like, I need you to make it rain over my finances. Like, I need, I need a breakthrough. It needs to rain in this land. Maybe you're in the middle of a relationship that's dissolving, a marriage that's heading for divorce. And you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed, God, send rain, soften our hearts. God, soften our, help us to see each other again. Maybe you're in a season where you are praying through infertility and you've been begging God and begging God, would you just send, God, just send us. We just need some new life. And it feels desperate and it feels desolate and you've been praying so long you've run out of words. Maybe you, you're, you're in a season right now where you lack vision and purpose and you feel like you're just kind of, moving forward without any direction, kind of fumbling and stumbling your way through, and you're just asking God, God, just show me. God, just tell me. I need a word from you. I need a direction. Just tell me, God, and I'll go that way. But you haven't heard. You haven't heard. You haven't heard. Maybe you're in a season of your own famine, your own drought. I know for me, it's felt like a drought in relationships where it felt over the last three years, I've had to say goodbye to more people than I ever would have imagined. I've had to say goodbye to people who've left this earth. I've had to say goodbye to people who've left this church. I've had to say goodbye to people who left this state and they all seem to move to Nashville and I don't know why. I feel like I missed that email. I don't know what happened there. And I've said goodbye to so many people that I've just wondered, God, will I ever have meaningful relationships like that again? People who left without even saying goodbye. God, is this, is this all? Is this all it is? Is this, all, is this how it's gonna be relationally for me? If you have felt or you know what that kind of drought feels like, then you know what it must have felt like for Elijah to know that how easy it is to believe that this chapter that you're in is just the whole story, that how it's been is how it will always be, to really doubt if rain would ever fall, will ever fall in your life. If you can relate to that, you can relate to where Elijah was at in this moment. So we got to move along in the story because because Elijah actually goes and has this confrontation with King Ahab, and he calls all these prophets of Baal and King Ahab up onto Mount Carmel, and they have this showdown where Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal to a battle over whose God is bigger. And we don't have time to go into all the details of that story, but let's just say God showed up and God showed out. Like God literally like dunked on the prophets of Baal, like it was humiliating to them. And this was a major victory for Elijah and for him to have his faith encouraged again, and it was a turning point for him. And so he said, says to King Ahab, the most powerful person in all the land, whose God just got demolished by the one true God, he says in 1 Kings 18, 41, he says, all right, Ahab, go on, get, go on, eat and, and, and drink, because there's a sound of heavy what? Of heavy rain. Get ready. Get ready. Go on, eat and drink, because there is a sound of heavy. Go on, get, get your drink on. Go on, go, go celebrate, and don't forget to pack an umbrella, because it's about to rain. This is a powerful moment. Elijah is on a roll. God is on his side. There's only one small problem. There is no rain in the forecast. Not a drop of rain in the forecast. And you can imagine Elijah saying that with such confidence and then kind of looking around like, right, God? Right. Because you said, right, it's going to happen. So verse 42, Ahab went off and ate and drank and 
I had, had a party after being totally devastated, but Elijah climbed back up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bent down. This is so good. He bent down on the ground, and he put his face between his knees, and he just began to pray. Now, remember, he just had this major victory. He saw God move, and yet this is the move he makes. God, please, God, please, God, please. Just those two words, help me, God, help me, help me. We don't know, we don't know what he prayed. We just know that he prayed. God had already told him it would rain, but oh, God, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. God, you told me, you told me, you told me. I don't see it. I don't see it. Maybe you've been, you know this, right? My hunch is you've been in a posture like this, either physically or in your heart. You just, God, I don't, I got nothing. I am out on a ledge with you, God. Come on, come through, God. Those kind of desperate, if not sort of demanding kind of prayers. And maybe you're in a season of praying like that right now. Like you showed up here today and that's just how it feels. You're just on your knees, facing the ground. God, please, God, please. Well, after praying that way for, for quite some time, Elijah finally sat up and, and, and he had an executive assistant who was there with him. It kind of kept his schedule and kept him on top of things. And so he leans over to his executive assistant and he says, okay, all right, go look towards the sea and just give me the weather report. Go on now, give me the weather report because I know, I just prayed, God's going to come through. And so his executive assistant goes off and he, and he looks out and can you imagine how this must have felt? He sees nothing. And so he has to come back to Elijah, and he's like, um, so, okay, actually, um, there's nothing. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. Sorry, Elijah. I'm sorry, Elijah. God hasn't come through. This is a moment for, for Elijah. Elijah had just declared publicly. He had declared confidently at the risk of his own life that God was going to move. He believed that God was going to move. He believed something big, and so he began to pray again for help, for help, and nothing happened. You ever been there before? Where you've prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing, nothing. Where you ask God for help and you don't see it. You ask for a healing that didn't come. You asked for provision that you didn't see. You prayed for a spouse. God, just, I want someone to partner with God. Bring them into my life. God, put them in my row at church today. God, have them have, sit right next to me today. God, when we have an interaction question, let us look into each other's eyes, God, and know that this is the one, like you just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and you have seen nothing. You ever prayed for the Bears to have another championship season in your lifetime or your children's children's lifetime? May it happen, Lord, and you don't know if you're ever gonna see it. We've all prayed those desperate prayers out on the edge with God and we see nothing. We don't talk about this enough. And a lot of churches and a lot of pastors will just say, oh, you don't have enough faith. I don't think that's the case at all. I'm not, I'm, I, I think God's inviting you into something deeper. Because this is where, where, where Elijah's at and where a lot of us, if we've been honest, where we've been at. And it's where, this, maybe this is just me, this is where I tend to give up on God. I tried. I prayed. God, I prayed for five minutes and you didn't give it to me. <laughs> five whole minutes, God, that I wasn't on Instagram and you didn't give it to me. <laughs> I've prayed for five months for my child. Nothing. Five years I've prayed. Nothing. This is when we tend to, to give up on God just because it doesn't look like God's ever going to come through. In fact, look what happens in verse 43. It says this, seven times Elijah prayed and looked up and said to his assistant, okay, go check now, go back. 
Go back. Seven times he closed his eyes and he begged God to move. And he got to open, you know, like, like maybe just one eye open. Like, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. Go check, go check, go check. Seven times. And it's so easy when we don't see God come through to want to just give up on God, to want to just cash it in, to maybe downsize our dreams and desires and sort of help God out by not praying such a big prayer in our life, to start praying small and playing small in our lives. But look what happens in verse 44. The seventh time he asked, the servant came back and reported, okay, okay Elijah, don't get excited, but okay. There's a cloud like as small as, what does it say? As small as a man's hand. <laughs> Like, this ain't much, okay, I don't, like, don't, but there's a small, tiny little cloud rising up over the Sea of Galilee, like a Mediterranean Sea. You can see it right down there. It's a t- I don't even know if you can see. We haven't invented binoculars yet, but it's out there. It's small. Now, just so you understand how far off that is, where he was standing on Mount Carmel off to the Mediterranean Sea, which is where he would have seen this cloud the size of a man's hand, that's actually a 12-mile distance. So that would be like you climbing up on the roof of Soul City Church here after church today and looking all the way out to O'Hare to see if there's one tiny cloud. How are you possibly going to see that? You're all you're going to like, well, thank God he made the Midwest flat, so at least you have a clear shot. But you're going to look out there. What are you going to see? All you're going to see is, I don't know, it looks like Erlacher has hair. I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> I keep seeing that every, literally everywhere around O'Hare. That's a very micro Chicago joke for those of you who live in Chicago. Those of you online, you have no idea how God has blessed us with that revelation, that, that breakthrough in this man's life. You could, you, you, you'd have to look so hard and so far, and would you even be able to spot it? Would you even be able to, to recognize it? And if you saw it, would you believe what's possible from it? He looks far off, and that's it. That's all Elijah needed. That's all he needed. A cloud the size of a man's hand. He believed, he believed, he prayed, and he didn't see. Six times he didn't see, but on the seventh time, that that servant came back and said, no, I think there might be something, and so filled with faith, it says that Elijah got up and he said, okay, go tell, he says to his executive assistant, go tell Ahab to hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Again, this is a tiny little cloud, but he's saying, go on, get right now because the rain's coming, and what happens? Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, and a wind rose, and a what? And a Heavy rain started falling on Ahab on his way as he rode off to Jezreel. That little cloud off in the distance brought this huge storm that began to cover and fill the whole land. And what I love is that the story, where the story ends, we don't, I don't have time to get into all these details, but I just love how it, how it ends. It says that as soon as that happens, as, as King Ahab starts to take off, as the rain starts to come down, Elijah was so filled with faith that it says that he tucked his cloak into his belt and he ran ahead of Ahab down the mountain and all the way to Jezreel. Elijah just starts forest gumping it all the way down the mountain. And why you they think, oh, that's kind of a Bible story. That's interesting. No, the truth is from Mount Carmel to Jezreel was a 22-mile distance. He ran a full marathon and beat the horses and chariots. So filled with faith because he continued, he kept on believing big in God. Seven times he prayed. Seven times he put himself out there in faith. Seven times he asked God to help. And on six, he heard nothing. But that seventh time, I think this is a powerful transformative lesson on prayer, a lesson on how you can come to God when you are asking for God's help. And it's simply this, if I can encourage you with anything today, it would simply be this, don't you quit at six. Oh, it's so easy to quit at six. Don't you quit at six. 
Don't you give up on God. Don't you throw in the towel when you haven't even seen what God wants to do in and through your life. Don't quit at six. You keep on praying. You keep on asking. You keep on not just praying. You pray big prayers. You pray bold prayers. And I know it feels, all you can see, it feels like a drought maybe right now in your life and you wonder if it's ever going to end. And I, I, I know that how that can feel in my life, how this chapter can feel like it's the whole story, but don't you quit on six. Don't you give up on God. He's inviting you to believe big in him because he's a big God. You can ask him for help. He tells you to do so. And he wants you to be as specific as possible. He wants names, dates, and details. Don't pray vague prayers. Be specific. God, I'm praying for this, this thing right now in my life, this thing to be healed in my son's life, this thing to happen right now in our finances. Be specific, be bold, and you keep on going. Don't quit at six. Because what do you have to lose? Like, What do you have to lose by praying like that? Some pride? Yeah, you're wanting to get rid of that anyway. So it's going to be embarrassing. You're going to pray some prayers that are going to make you and others feel uncomfortable. Awesome. What do you have to lose? Some time? What were you going to do with it anyway? Wouldn't you rather be spending your time believing big in the God of the universe that God would move on your behalf as he promised he would? What would it look like for you just to start believing big in God? You have nothing to lose by asking God, by begging God, by believing God for the help that he has promised for your life. What would it look like for you? I just want to encourage you this week as we try and make it as simple as possible when it comes to prayer, just to let this question rattle around in your life. What are you, what are you believing big for right now in your life? I, I had a boss and a mentor in my life who had a mentor in his life who used to always ask him every time he saw him, he'd say, Andy, what are you working on big? Don't tell me about the small stuff. What are you working on big? So I would ask you, what are you believing big right now about God? What are you believing big? What is it you really believe when you are asking God for what you need? What are the big and the audacious, maybe even embarrassing prayers that you are praying right now? What are you believing big for in your life? What are you believing big for about your health? Where it looks impossible, well, all the doctors have lined up and said it's not going to happen. You're praying specifically for a breakthrough, for a healing. What are you praying big for when it comes to your health? When it comes to your kids? What are you praying big? What are you believing big for about them? And I know it seems so hard. And for those of you who are parents of teenagers, I am with you. I know it can feel so challenging. And maybe you're praying prayers for them. You pray for them and you're praying for them to get good grades. That's awesome. That's great. God cares about that. But what are you praying for big about their lives? About their future? About their destiny? What are you praying for big? Students, what are you praying for big? You praying for your campus? You praying for your friends. I know all they want to do is walk as far away from God as possible. Would you pray big for them today and keep believing that God loves them even more than you do? What are you praying big for this church right now? This church wouldn't be here if people didn't believe big in God. It wouldn't be here today. So what are you believing big for about this church, about the city that we love so much and everyone wants to tell us what a mess the city is, but we see what God loves about this city. You wouldn't be here if you didn't. So what are you believing big? What are you asking God big? I know it seems so impossible. All statistics say to give up on six. But what are you praying big for? 
What do you need to keep praying big for? And I'm not saying, I'm not saying you don't pray about the small stuff. I'm not praying, I'm saying that God doesn't care about the small stuff. Like if you want to go ahead and, and pray for a parking spot, God, go, God be with you. Pray for that. God cares. That matters. I'm just saying that there's more. That's all I'm saying. It's not just the small stuff. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying that God is inviting you today to believe something bigger. God is inviting you today to keep on going with him. I'm just saying that God has told me, God has told you that you're actually able to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask for or imagine because of his power at work within you. So keep on believing big. Don't you quit at six. I'm just saying that you've been told and promised that you can ask and it will be given to you. You can seek and you will find. You can knock and the door will be open. So keep on believing big in God that you can actually approach the throne of grace with confidence. Elijah couldn't even do this, but you can. You can approach the throne of grace with confidence to receive mercy and to find grace and help in your time of need. I'm just saying, don't you quit at six. Keep believing big. Because if your God is for you, what could be against you? So what do you believe? I know it seems big, but would you be willing to believe something bigger than it? bigger than what you're facing right now. So your homework this week is real simple. Anyone want to guess what it is? So pray some big prayers. Ask God for help in big ways. In fact, I would encourage you to think of it this way. Your homework for this week, I want you to pray some impossible prayers this week. I know that seems like a lot and you've put yourself out and you felt burned by God maybe before. You felt like God didn't move the way that you wanted him to, the way you thought. I'm asking you, would you just go in one more time? And pray an impossible prayer that maybe you put up on the shelf because you didn't think God cared or God ever would. Would you just pray an impossible prayer, the kind that makes you uncomfortable, the kind when you pray it this week around your table, it makes them uncomfortable because you're believing something big about God. Just this week, there's a prayer that Jeannie and I, a specific prayer that we have prayed for over two years now. And I'm telling you, I'd love to say, and I've never stopped. I've prayed without ceasing. There have been many times where I'm like, you know what? God's never going to answer this. This is too specific. This has names. This has details. I, I, there have been many times where I've said it's not worth it. I, let's just figure it out. We'll just figure it out. We'll come up with a plan B. And just this week, a text message came through to the word, to the name, exactly what we've prayed for. For two years. And I'm not saying that happened because I'm giving this message, but I'm not saying it didn't happen for that reason. What would it look like for you just to, like, to be that bold? And even at six when you don't see it, say, no, 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 I'm not done here yet. I'm going to keep praying. I'm not going to quit at six. I'm not going to quit. So one of the ways that we do that at our church is we, we, we create sacred space in our prayer hall, and that's where so many folks in our church go. Every Sunday, there's literally a line out the door. It's like the hottest club in Chicago is our prayer hall. And, and, and people go there, and they have people speak the name of Jesus into and over their life. And as we were thinking about and praying about this series on prayer, one of the ideas we had in the very, very beginning is what if we brought the prayer hall into the auditorium? And ra rather than, it, we're still going to have it afterwards, but, but what if maybe there's some folks here who for whatever reason might not go there or have never been there before, but they know that they need prayer right now. They're asking something and believing something big about God. They need God's help in their life. I wonder if they'd be willing to come in and receive prayer right here, right now. And so we've actually, I don't know if you noticed, we created some room up here and I'm gonna invite anyone who's a part of our prayer team who's been asked to pray for people today. If you'd come forward and lie in the front of the stage here in front of me. And we're just going to provide sacred space for anyone and everyone. In fact, up in the balcony, we have some prayer team members who are going to be standing right back there who are available to you. They'll make themselves available and visible to you. 
So if you're in the balcony, there's no reason for you not to receive prayer today. And I wanna encourage you to come with your big, impossible requests where you need help. This was a powerful time for our church in our last gathering, and I believe God wants to do more, and he wants to do it for you today. So I'm gonna pray. Our prayer team's gonna be here. And when I say amen, anyone, anyone, who needs God's help and is willing to say so, come up and receive prayer over your life. And then we'll continue worshiping and singing together. And, and I, I just don't want you to miss this opportunity. So would you be willing to stand? And I want to pray for, for each of us right now as we, as we choose not to quit on six, as we keep going in, believing big things for God. And so if it helps to close your eyes right now, you can go ahead and do that. And then when I'm done, anyone up in the balcony, up there, down here, anyone who needs prayer, come up and our prayer team would love to pray for you. Let me, let me pray right now. God, we thank you that you... You are our ever-present help in times of trouble. Always. And God, it may not come when we want it to come. It may not look like how we thought it would look, but God, you always have more in store for us than we could ever hope for or imagine, more than we could ever even articulate in prayer. And so God, we need your help. We are willing to own that we can't do it on our own. And we need your help. We want to believe something big today, God. We want to hold out. I pray for, God, I pray that you would encourage the person today who's just given up and they've just said, I can't, I can't say the words anymore. God, would you encourage them to come forward and let someone else say the words for them today? God, I pray for the very real needs in this place, the real needs of healing, of broken relationships, of children who've wandered, of families, God, marriages, relationships who are up against the ropes. God, we pray, we pray for breakthrough. We pray that, God, as we say, help me, that you would in ways that we could have never imagined. So, God, we pray for this moment and this time. I pray for a spirit of courage and encouragement for every person who hears these words right now. God, meet us as we come to you asking what you told us we could for your help. We pray this in your name. Amen.